Hi, everyone. Welcome to the No Not To My Legal Self. It's good to see everyone. You are in for a great treat today. I have a fantastic guest. I have a guest who I like and admire. In fact, I'm more like a, a groupie than, than, than an admirer. I kind of follow him and, and, and ask him questions online. And um, even though today is the first time I met him on video first, but I feel like I know this guy. Um, and so I'm really excited that he is here with me and we're gonna talk about general counsel in-house lawyers adding value, especially in the early stage startups. So definitely ask questions because he's the guy to ask questions. Uh, enjoy this conversation and let me start. Um, Andy, welcome to the show. Um, please introduce yourself. <laughs> Hi, Olga, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Andy Dale, I'm the general counsel and chief privacy officer at Alice, uh, which is a venture backed tech company in the gifting and marketing space. Um, and so prior to Alice, uh, I was the GC and VP of privacy at a company called Session M, which we uh, sold to MasterCard in 2019. And prior to that, another startup called DataZoo, which eventually was acquired by Roku. And prior to that, I was in the uh, legal team at TD Ameritrade, a bigger company, and, and then at a law firm. And um, so uh, I've been through a bunch of stuff and um, I'm an admirer of yours too. So I'm glad to be here and glad to talk to you. I heard you too. Um <laughs> I just love the journey. I couldn't decide it's because I objectively like the journey or it's because it's kind of like mine and it's easy to like your reflection. Uh, but I like it. Very interesting. So sort of from law firm to bigger company to smaller companies where you're doing a bunch of exciting things. Tell me in those transition, kind of if you kind of have to abstract and kind of think how your day-to-day -day life as a lawyer has changed. Uh, what is kind of do you think the kind of those in those pivots and moments uh, what do you think are the biggest change in those transitions? I think my background was a little bit atypical in the sense that some GCs come up through a larger law firm and get training there. And I clerked for a judge and then I went and worked for uh, two big firm refugees that started a smaller firm. And so I didn't have, and I was only there a few years and then I went in-house to TD Ameritrade. And when I did, that was really like my big education. So I really became a lawyer, I think, in, in that setting. Um, and so that helped me, uh, understand really quickly how to make an impact in house, um, and how to make an impact across different client groups. And this was before zoom and before, uh, you know, we could actually have video chats and, and it's really showed me that you can continue to make relationships, um, over the phone by traveling and being in person. And it helped me really understand the best ways to, to, make relationships, be value add. And as I like to talk about when we, we talk more about the way you can contribute early, uh, making yourself be more than a cost center. So showing your value. Um, I learned that stuff at, at Ameritrade and then took it to jobs where I had you know more independence and was an earlier lawyer in the business. At some point, you ran away with this thing I call startup circus. <laughs> How did that happen to a guy like you and why? <laughs> uh, not necessarily purposefully. Uh, I, I, was, uh, I was really enjoying my time at TD Ameritrade and I had established a, a couple key internal clients. And one of them was the innovation group. And I had traveled to a company we bought in Chicago and I was kind of their lawyer. 
and they were working in a very startup-like environment. And Ameritrade did a really nice job of folding that culture into its own. And so I kind of got the vibe, you can be a lawyer this way. I think I hadn't really understood that you could innovate together, that you could be in those conversations, in the business conversations, and actually provide forward-looking value um, to your business partners. And so that was really eye-opening for me. Oh, like I can be a lawyer like this. I can actually kind of not just kind of react and provide thoughts and feedback and advice. Instead, I can kind of be in that room talking with them about how to actually kind of drive product forward. That was a real watershed moment for me. And so I kind of just took that and I latched onto it. And when I was thinking about my next role, I was thinking, let me go to a, a bit smaller company, find a GC that can help me, you know, mentor me. And maybe I'll be, you know, the third or fourth person in a legal department or something. But I ended up, you know, getting this job where I was the first lawyer. And, and you know, as I mentioned to you before we, we went live, that the the CEO of that company was an attorney. So that was helpful in kind of easing me into the 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 driver's seat, so to speak. I like how you put it, innovate together and driving the value forward. I actually want let's let's go deeper. Like what what does that mean to you? Like it sounds great and I agree, but practically, like what does it mean day to day? The approach I took, and this is only one one approach, I think there's probably a couple ways to do it, but the approach I took was, let me learn as much as I can about this particular business, about the technology, the ecosystem, the competitors, and get really knowledgeable. Um, and that was actually one of the pieces of advice from her CEO in the first day when I sat with him and he said, spend time with the team that is working with customers and spend time with the product team and just really get to know the platform. And you know, he was really right about that. And so what that meant for me was digging really deep and really, and I just felt like that was going to help me in a million ways. And, and that turned out to be true. The more I understood about our business, the more I understood about our ecosystem, the more value you can add just organically through conversations. When a legal issue comes up, you're not just like responding and giving an answer. You're going, okay, let me assess the whole, the whole thing. And then, okay, now I can really give you better advice or we can get to the right place, you know, on a feature or a product or a contract or something. Let's, let, when you look at it holistically, I just think it, it changes your mindset a little bit. So you mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned driving the product forward and you mentioned aligning yourself with customers. And then you also talked about um, industry, like the landscape and the, all of those things. So let's talk about each because I think those are sort of the components of the soup. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. um, so let's talk about the driving the product forward. As an in-house lawyer, general counsel or not, what are the practical things you can do to drive the product forward? Well, I think once you've gotten the lay of the land of the company and the business, um, you can, you know, make sure that, that you're available to everybody and start to build champions around legal and privacy and compliance within the business. And so you, once you sort of open up the door for that and you can do it in person, Slack, whatever, once you open the door for that, you can start to be a fly on the wall of key conversations and then start contributing. Well, how are we using data this way? How are we using it that way? What will the feature actually do? And, and the more you're curious, the more people will respond to that. I'd be curious to know from your perspective, when you 
took over a company that it has a legal bent to it, you know, I would imagine you have as the voice of the customer, it's a little bit different. In my case, it was more, let me just get in, in, in the boat with you all together so that I feel like I'm really kind of rowing in the same direction. But in your case, you, you sort of had to act as subject matter expert too. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I've been in the role as a, I've been a general counsel of a company that was not a legal product at all. It was for sales um, engagement platform. So probably not at all close to uh, to legal product. And there I, I found uh, aligning myself with product meant really knowing where the data flows uh, and where it leaves and how I can make sure that this is seamless. Uh, but actually I found it much more important in that setting because it was not a legal product to know customers. So I sat on many phone calls. Mm -hmm. uh, you really become empathetic in your negotiations, whatever they may be, partners uh, and or, or sales or building products as you hear the pain in the customer voice. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, you know, because pain in the customer voice also correlates with legal risks and all of that. There's, so that's, I, really interesting. <laughs> that's really interesting. There's like, there's empathy and understanding the customer. And then what we talked about before, when you understand your product and the ecosystem really well, you know, you know, this is as, as well as anybody that's negotiated deals with, with customers. When you try to make arguments that are purely legal, they, they don't do as well <laughs> when you have arguments that are fact-based or empathy-based or like feature-based arc. Like I can't do this because our feature doesn't do that. Or the data we're using is data you collected, not me. And I'm asked to process it. When you start to frame things, it eases up. It eases the, the, the tension on that because it's, I'm giving you facts. I'm talking to you about, about things that really make sense instead of, well, you know, our company policy is to not have uncapped liability for this thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a little different when the product is actually legal. And I've had experienced that in my this company in Parley Pro and my previous company. You know, I, I was in smart contract blockchain, which is highly regulated. Uh, it deals with money, so uh, or at least transfer of value. Um, and that, by definition, is a legal creation. Money is a legal creation to some extent. So... Um, you know, even though it's not legal tech, but it, it was very much in that intersection of law. And I think in, in, in those highly regulated spaces, lawyers can really be helpful. I was, you know, yes, I was talking to regulators. I, I went to Capitol Hill. I went to Sacramento many times. I went to many, many uh, regulators. That was part of it. But also I kind of understood kind of how to better build there. Uh, today, I'm sort of serving uh, the legal community and, and it's sort of a legal product that way. So, um, you know, I think in, in, in that case, it's, an, it's a different way a lawyer brings because you actually bring your substantive knowledge and your substantive experiences. But then I think you also, to your point, have to uh, learn the, 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 the skills that, you know, the product, the business professionals have of empathy and, and listening and, and kind of strategy and all of that. So I think it just sort of changes. Um, and, you know, that's why I kind of broke it down into components of customers, a product and sort of landscape. Um, they're all important, but they're not all equally important uh, at every job. It just you kind of have to, I think, understand yeah. which one is which. Yeah. I do find and, you know, I um, 
actually, you know, let's talk about customers. Besides the sort of listening on conversations or being, you know, in my case, essentially being the persona, how do you get to know your customers? Um, I think we try to do it through availability for conversations at the prospect stage when there are questions that trigger anything related to data, privacy, compliance. In, in Alice's case, sometimes there are like FCPA type questions. We make sure that we're available to customers and prospects. And really, we just let them know, look, we've really dug in on these issues. And we have honest conversations with them. I think that's the best way is to is to say, especially if you're dealing with stuff that is, you know, uh, either new or isn't exactly uh, c- clear cut, you know, on, on the legal side of things to say, yeah, like we dug in on this internally. We dug in on this with our outside counsel. Here's what we came up with. This is where we've landed. 99.99 times out of 100, the person on the other side appreciates that you did that and understands, okay, well, I'm I'm in the boat with you together on this now. Yeah, yeah. No, because, I mean, you, know, you don't want to be just taking blind risks and trusting another side unless they've really broken down for you. Like, yeah, we, I hear you. We really thought about this. Yeah, like, people like being heard and seen. People want to know that yeah. you care and that even if it is a hard problem to solve or you're not able to solve it today or you don't have resources that you're thinking and you and you are with them in the same boat. We have a few folks uh, saying hello. Is this recorded? Yes, it is recorded. The recording will be available on LinkedIn for a few months. Um, and yes, the uh, podcast version of this will come out as well and will be live forever or whatever forever means in the age of internet. Um, and uh, there's another question. Uh, thank you for asking this question. Um, the question is, is there any advice for someone who's already works with sales or maybe product uh, or any other organization within the Office of General Counsel who actually wants to become one? Uh, how, you know, how would you become one if you had to become one again? Andy? So you're a, this is a lawyer that works in sales? Because <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, the obvious answer is go to law school. Uh, but- but uh, yeah, well, I, I mean, think this person is a supporting sales organization and wants to be a general counsel. I mean, if somebody, oh, I see what you mean. A lawyer, okay. So the, the contract lawyer, the commercial lawyer. Yeah, I mean, I think Olga, it's some of what we've touched on before. It's, it's specifically in contracts. I mean, I came up in, in commercial contracts because. And then ex- was able to expand because contracts touch everything. Contracts and privacy touch every aspect of the business. So those are, those are if you're a tech company and you have data, internal, external, those are good ways of natural expansion. That's how I got into kind of the privacy side of, of my job. It just kept coming up in contracts and kept coming up. And I sat next door in Ameritrade to the chief privacy officer. So... I would pop in a lot and we would have a lot of conversations and, and it was just, it just kept coming up and kept coming up. And if you start to understand, as you noted before, if you start to understand the data flows and where things are going and how that's working, you know, naturally you become more valuable to the business. And then the other one related piece is a piece of advice that I got from our CEO at DataZoo, who was a lawyer and then, you know, transitioned over, over time in his career to be the CEO, he always said to me, stay really close to the revenue, stay close to the revenue and make sure 
that you're adding value beyond just doing the contract, like get into the commercials. And so that's one, that's one piece of advice I would guess is get yourself involved in the, in the why, in the context behind a deal and get into that deal earlier, ask to be helpful, do partnership deals. Those are incredibly valuable in terms of understanding the business commercial and then sales. Very. By the way, you understood the question better than I did. Uh, this person actually, in fact, is in sales um, um, and uh, wants to plans to work through law school. Uh, he or she is in cyber security. I think that person will go, I think this that person has a leg up in some ways, right? Like if you <laughs> if you understand sales, the sales legal dynamic can be fraught, but like I actually view it the complete opposite of that legal and sales need to be in absolute lockstep and really keyed in with each other and having made, you know, deposits in each other's emotional ATM account so that when there needs to be a withdrawal, you've, you've established the foundation to make it's a marriage and it's a marriage. <laughs> well, but no, not surprisingly, my wife and I talk in that, in those terms a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, it sounded like a marriage conversation. Deposit in your um, trust, and yeah, that sounds. That's I, I know that conversation. I've heard that before. I'm not going to disclose when and how. <laughs> um, you know, I want to talk about industry because you know one of the things that I you know um, I found very interesting. You know, as a lawyer, knowing laws and navigating various situations, you quite I can add value in many industries. But I've now had an opportunity to be in the industry that I care about and know very well and know all the stakeholders and can operate, you know, blindfolded, handcuffed, you know, <laughs> and without having machinery by myself, right? And, and it's like, a, I now understand when business professionals say the importance of industry knowledge cannot be underestimated. It really gives you kind of a leg up. I, now fully agree with that. I think it's absolutely true. Um, what are your thoughts about this kind of industry experience and, and, and kind of gaining and what it means and how you get it? It's really critical. So in, in DataZoo, which is an ad tech company, ad tech is really complicated. And, and so I knew it was going to take me a long time to really understand it. And eventually I was able to get involved in an industry association called the Network Advertising Initiative and then get on the board of that. And that was a really enlightening, eye-opening way for me to understand our industry really well. And what I saw there was I saw that the lawyers and privacy people in that association, the, the ones that were the most successful, understood the industry the best. They understood what everyone was doing, why they were doing it. They understood the technology. Um, and it just, it just gave me a roadmap for that. So I took that to other companies. I just, uh, and so like we talked about before, understanding the ecosystem and uh, how the actual industry works. I think it's it, these, these days, I think it's table stakes for any, any GC. I agree. I, I now know the difference and uh, it, it's, it's, it's a difference between hitting your head against the wall and just like going through every door. It's, 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 a, it's a huge difference. One of the things I found when I go in early stage startup and, you know, the question, you know, frankly, at any size of the company, but definitely in an early stage startup, the question I ask myself, will they value legal? Especially if it is not a legal product or in the legal industry, 
because the answer in, in, in that is a little easier. How can you ascertain when you are interviewed, what kind of questions you ask? How do you really read between the lines to make sure that, that you are valued, yes, as a legal contributor and yes, as somebody who is building this business? I think the, f the first thing isn't even really specific to that. The first thing is make sure that if it's the CEO or whoever your, your primary cohort of people you're going to work with are making sure that you are able to really connect with that person and understand if I'm going to have a close relationship with this person. Can I have an honest relationship? Can I be open? So first and foremost, are we going to really hear each other? When I express an opinion about something, how are they going to in ingest it? And so like first step is personal relationship. What's that going to be like? And some of that Olga is just gut vibe. How do I feel? How do I feel when I'm with this person? Can we talk about non-work things and how does that feel? So start there. And then I think the next thing is to layer in the business stuff and layer in what things you think are really going to be important, like, and sussing out those from them. If they're all about sales, all about sales, well, is my conversation with them about, you know, the terms in a very critical agreement, how's that going to be received? And so asking myself those really critical questions, because it's not about one deal per se, or how we would kind of modulate risk um, in one contract. It's, can you communicate to those people, look, this is about more than that. This is about our positions in deals and in contracts are going to come up later. And they come up, it takes a while. You have to have a long view. What's it going to look like in diligence when we have a bunch of contracts that are really difficult to sort through or if we have consistency across all of our contracts for example you know with an outlier here or there but generally speaking we've taken the same positions well that's going to optically play much better when we go to kind of the biggest moment in the company's life later and so <laughs> do they get that like are they getting that like and so pushing through the value going beyond like the one a single thing you're working on at that moment, the one deal, the one quarter, you know, going, ensuring they have the long view with you. My, uh, I have conversations sometimes with my board where they like tell me to have a long view, <laughs> but I can tell you as a startup CEO, you discover that you very much, all you have is now. <laughs> the hard part is the hard part, Olga, is that you have to have both. Like you, you do have to have both. And I think as the CEO in particular, it's going to be, it's very difficult. You are focused on the quarter and I'm with the sales team at the end of the quarter, every quarter, every year. So you do have to, you have to modulate that mindset a little bit. It's hard. It's very, very hard, you know, especially as somebody who is very long-term as a person focused, um, you know, when you become the CEO of, a, of, a, of an early stage startup or a business driver of any company, really, you change. Um, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Um, somebody who used to preach this long-term view, I find myself that now everyone tells me about it. Lawyers as cost center, I think, has become sort of a derogatory term. <laughs> um, it's, it's a way to sort of dismiss and put down you know, and not have further conversations. But I'm just kind of curious, um, you know, and so we all agree, let's not just be a cost center. I think we're on the same page. I guess what I, I'm going to ask you is, what is the opposite of the cost center? And whatever that means, how you get there. 
I think it comes down to communication. Like if you have, if you look at your buckets of legal spend, say for example, employment, IP, corporate, and if you just look at those in a vacuum and you're just looking at those with the CFO or looking at your cost and operating expenses, and I've got to do this to, to get this thing done and talk to outside counsel about this to get that thing done, you are going to continually be viewed as just cost of doing business. But if you break down the spend and you tie it to specific things in the business that move the business forward it really changes the angle at which people are looking at that spend. Um, we had to do an IP based project here at Alice and it was a big project and it, it had a bunch of moving parts and things we needed to do. But, but I, I, I was careful to step through like we need to do this and then this and then this because it directly impacts our ability to talk to customers, derive revenue, like really be careful and thoughtful about each spend bucket and literally like write it down, put it into a presentation, talk about it, be open about it. This spend equals this acceleration for us. If you pitch it in those terms, you start to build that mindset in the business. Let me ask you about the the risk factor. I, I call it the fun factor. So I am the risk preferring lawyer. You tell me there is risk and I will get excited about how to navigate it. That's just who I am. I, 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 I like, I like that. Um, but you know, I find that a lot of professionals and special lawyers, when they are talking to, uh, uh, startups and early stage companies, they are very much aware about the risk and their risk tolerance, which may or may not be high, usually not as high as mine. Um, and sort of aligning that, um, how do you, how do you think about it when you go through, you know, I'm sure you've been approached by various startups and you've been thinking, do I join? What does it mean for me, my family, my future plans, my career? Like, what does that alignment process look for you? You know, my husband joked that there is no startup that I will not fall in love with. Um, <laughs> how does it work in your family? <laughs> uh, I think it's like, a little bit of trial and error. I mean, some of the risks you have to develop your own, your own like appetite, I think. And, and what risks am I comfortable with and what risks am I not? And I think some of that comes from my network. I've developed a big, a big network of people that I really feel trust in. And one of my really good friends and outside counsel he lives 10 minutes from me and we go for walks around the neighborhood and we just like, I bounce risks off him. And I do that with others and other GCs and stuff. And you can't do it alone. I mean, it, it's, it's too difficult. So I think my, my answer on that one is, you know, get a study group, get people to bounce stuff off of because it's just too hard. Hard, like, like otherwise, it's too hard. There's a lot of people like find the find the study group that you trust and study together because this stuff is hard and it's not. We're, we we run towards we, the startup community and legal community. We tend to run towards hard problems. That's what we want to do. Like I don't I don't pick easy companies. Like they're <laughs> the that's that's <laughs> not in our nature. So embrace it and understand that like you're gonna need help. And that help is going to be is going to come in a lot of forms, whether it's outside counsel or your peers or, or or others. So if you go into it with the mindset of this is group think instead of I have to like 
put all of this risk and other people in your business too. Like your, your, your people that are just kind of aligned with you, you and your thinking, like it, for me, it's, it's often been our CTO or our head of product or something where I'll like be able to get in a room with them and go, all right, what are your considerations? What are mine? What are the risks here? And they, they tend to kind of line up naturally if you're, if you're um, like-minded. To live is to risk though. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's very interesting that we, there's a lot of risks that we don't analyze, uh, but when it comes to early stage companies, um, we analyze them quite um, intentionally sometimes and maybe overanalyze them. So I just, I, um, you know, we assume that big companies are more stable. I'm not sure if that's true. I'm not convinced that that's true. Um, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I do find that there is sort of a lot of highs and lows in startups. Um, and the thing that I think worth perfecting is self-management. <laughs> because in the end, the one person, you may not be able to manage others. You probably won't. But the one thing you should do is manage yourself <laughs> and know yourself. And that is how Easier said than done. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the most difficult customer is, yeah. is yourself. Yeah. Um, we, I have a few more questions. I'll encourage folks uh, to, to suggest some questions as well. We had a, a steady conversation going on the sidelines. I do want to go back to the conversation you started about relationships. And you now mentioned it a few times. You mentioned that you noticed that as it being kind of a force in itself, that it's something you have been building as you have a career been growing, you kind of seen the power of it, and you definitely tap into that power of relationship and help to navigate, you know, kind of interesting situation, whether it's a complex IP issues or kind of personal career transition choices. Um, tell me kind of how you think of relationships and network. How do you like think about sort of building, maintaining it, contributing and being kind of a good citizen in that network? Um, I think it starts with friendships. I mean, I really just built some, some key friendships and with mentors and then with other people that um, I just felt, uh, I could be open with and could be transparent and comfortable about what I didn't know. You know, one of the big lessons I learned coming from the law firm was, you know, I felt a lot of pressure in the law firm to know the answer to everything. And and, and when you're a law clerk for a judge, you, you feel like you got to have an answer. And it, it's very freeing to come to the point where you recognize I'm never going to know all the answers to everything. So the question really just is, what's my point of view and how can I develop an informed point of view and have an opinion that's grounded in, in the law and facts and, and other conversations that you've had. Um, and so that's really it. it it's just, and, and the other piece of the puzzle Olga, is actually getting, making clear uh, that you need to go spend that time to go invest in those relationships. And one place that I've done that, is through the IAPP and privacy circles. Other people should do it through other other circles that they're involved in, but going to certain events and speaking and talking to people and having dinner and all those little things, it sometimes it can be viewed as like, well, that's your own side stuff for you personally, but it really isn't. I mean, some of the relationships 
I'll tell a quick story. At my last company, when we sold the company there at the end of the deal, there are customers that you need to get occasionally, you need consent to do the deal. And with three out of those four top customers, because I developed relationships inside legal at those customers through those events and through other things and networking and such, I was able to text them directly and, and get what we needed because you know, at the end of that cycle, the deal, you don't want to slow down a deal. You don't want to have to wait for anything to happen. So that's one concrete way in which it played out. But that was just establishing friendships. We were just talking about issues that were difficult, bouncing them off each other. And it just organically plays out that way. I love the term of developing an informed point of view. That is such a accurate, good term. Um, I guess I'm gonna, I will ask you, how do you get there? <laughs> it only makes sense if I like the term. I think I know what it means, but I, I would like you to bit. articulate it. <laughs> I stole it a little bit from our marketing team. Pete, Pete Lorenko, who runs our marketing team is talking about point of view a lot. And I think, you know, Alice as a company, there are point of view. And so the same thing goes for legal. What's the, what's our point of view on a critical issue? Well, I think it, it takes understanding the landscape. What are the various points of view that I could take on a particular issue? Like if you dissect something that's important to your business, um, what's the angle on that issue that, um, that customers care about, that prospects are going to care about, and that suits Alice as well as a whole or your company's goals. Um, and so how to get to your point of view, I don't know that there's magic to that. I think it's, I always start with what's my first instinct. If my first instinct is this is crap, or this is a great idea. I tend to start with one of those and then validate it or invalidate it with people I really respect. And a lot of times, a lot of, it goes either way. It goes either way. And I think you, you then you have to have the, the ability to be like, oh, I was wrong on that one. <laughs> is this crap? I mean, that's like a, such a legal inquiry, you know, is this crap? Yep. <laughs> well, you only learn by having crap opinions. I mean, I mean we're human. Like, this is the truth is we're humans first. That's why, you know, that's what the lawyer or not, that's where you start as a human and then you lure yourself out of the situation. I just, I just love it. Yeah. Start your inquiries is crap. That's a really good place to start because there is an answer to that question. And then you can go from there. I just love it. Um, the informed point of view. I love that new term. It's, it's a great new to me, at least. Um, I love that term. Um, and they were coming to the end. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Learned a lot, even now have a new vocabulary. So um, what do you want to leave the audience with? Uh, you know, there's a number of folks in this audience who want to become a GC of an early stage startup, thinking about risk, opportunity, rewards, uh, how to assess, how to be impactful, how to, you know, make, you know, some value in the process. Um, any advice? <laughs> uh, when we sold Session M to MasterCard, I had to think a little bit about how I was going to explain kind of the philosophy we built with the legal function. And I think one of the key things that I expressed when I met with the team at MasterCard was we focused on this, this sentence of be present and travel. And what I mean by that is be present and be available to your business 
you know, that doesn't mean 1am, be present, be available, be available in these days on Slack or phone or text or whatever, whatever is needed for the critical things for the business. And then travel is just something I learned over the years, you know, being like, like we talked about in a bigger company that had a bunch of different locations with TD Ameritrade. So traveling to headquarters, traveling to Chicago, Jersey City, where do we have key constituents? making yourself known as a person. And now maybe that's a lot of zoom and, and hopefully it'll be uh, travel again soon to conferences and things and show, show up and show up for people in your office. Instead of picking up the phone and calling them, walk over, have a conversation, go have coffee with someone, have, have a mentoring relationship. All that is what serves you in my view has just like served, served me in, in, in teaching me how to be, the best business focused lawyer you can. And I, cause I think at the end of the day, how you show value is that. I love it. Andy, thank you so much. This has been a, a great conversation. I thank, thank you for joining. <laughs> thank you. And um, thank you audience for joining as well. You know, my takeaways are the sort of pillars of adding value, which is product customer and industry. I just love the way Andy thinks about it. Uh, it is such a constructive way to think about your career and your opportunities. Uh, I really love the um, developing informed point of view when you likely don't know everything, we don't know everything, um, and having that as a goal. Um, and of course, the value and very proactive way of building relationships throughout your career. I think that's, that's uh, no matter what you do as well, I think it's, it's mission critical and, critical and important. And most definitely, if you want to lead a legal organization. Um, thank you so much for joining. As you know, I solicit nominations for this conversation from the community. Uh, and if you have someone you want to nominate, or if you want to nominate yourself, I interview in-house professionals all the time, please either write here or um, DM me. I am pretty responsive, although I do receive quite a lot of um, messages. Eventually I will respond to everyone. Uh, thank you for joining again. And please, please uh, let me know who you would like to have conversations with and who we would like to ask questions. Thanks everyone, bye.